Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today we continue our message series, Asking for a Friend. I'm answering the top-rated question this week. It's about tithing and giving. The question is, where in the Bible does Jesus tell us to tithe. Now, there were a few questions that were voted on that had tackled this from a different angle. One question was, uh, why do we do Old Testament tithing uh, instead of New Testament giving? And they referenced uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 or 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There was also a question about um, that there are a number of different tithes that were mentioned in the Old Testament. And so we're going to take a look at this and see uh, where it is that uh, Jesus tells us to tithe. But before we do, let's define the terms, okay? The word tithe. I will never forget uh, early on when I was, I was getting uh, a church up out of the ground, we were meeting in the movie theater. I was, I was in my 20s and uh, we were rolling into this thing and, and um, there in the movie theater, there was a family that came to church. They had never been to church before. It was their very first time in a church service. Family of five and after church, I met them, you know, because then if somebody came in the church, I noticed, I noticed if there was a first time guest and I was like a shark. I was swimming over. I was gonna make sure that they didn't get away. And so they said, pastor, we really enjoyed ourselves today. But when the offering came around, we didn't know what we were supposed to give. But we figured there was five of us and we were in a movie theater. We figured $8 a ticket. So we paid $40 to get in today. So I said, okay, that makes, that makes sense to me, right? That makes sense to you. I had another guy, I was talking about the tithes when we were doing the offering. He said, well, pastor, I don't own any ties. And um, I said, well, I really don't wear to, like to wear ties either. But he didn't understand that I was talking about tithes. And so let's give, let's define this. The word tithe is a numerical figure. It's, it's a mathematical figure. Tithe simply means 10%. So the tithe is 10% of your increase unto God. It belongs to God. So when, because it belongs to God, when I refer to the tithe and the offering, uh, what you will hear me say is we are preparing to bring our tithe to the Lord. We bring the tithe to the Lord because we can't give the tithe to the Lord and we don't pay the tithe to the Lord. Why? Because the tithe belongs to the Lord already and I can't give God something that's already his possession. I'm just holding on to it for a minute. And so I'm giving that. I don't pay it because it's not a bill. It's not the cost of admission. It just is 10% of my increase that belongs to the Lord. It's, I, don't, I don't give the tithe off of the same piece of money or same piece of material possession over and over. I just do it once. When I receive it, that 10%, it belongs to the Lord. So that's the idea behind the tithe, okay? Now, where did Jesus mention the tithe? I'm gonna break this down as we go. But first, where did Jesus uh, mention the tithe. Go ahead and, and turn to Matthew chapter 23. And let's look at verse 23. What you're going to find here is Jesus and the Pharisees are in a discussion and the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, but it's not really like a conversation. It's more like a, a cut down contest. You know, it's like there's a back and forth, like a, you know, 
like a your mama joke, like as in your mama's so cross-eyed that when she cries, tears run down her back. That's pretty cross-eyed right there, you know. This is, this is kind of how the fair, why are you shaking your head, head at me, Sonia? Uh, this is the conversation they were having. So when you hear Jesus responding to them, there's some frustration because, not just frustration, but Jesus is responding to them appropriately. See, here's what he says to the Pharisees. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. I mean, you're hypocrites. For you are careful, listen to this, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Now, the New King James Version, the King James Version, the ESV, breaks down the kinds of herbs that they were tithing on, specifically three. It, it was uh, the mint, the dill, and the cumin. He said, you, you tithe on even the tiniest income from your garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, if you stop right there, you say, well, see, Jesus was saying that you shouldn't tithe. But that's one, if that's all you're reading, that's not what Jesus said. And then secondly, listen to what he says in verse 24, or as, as he continues, yeah, in 24. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. He said right before that, he said, you should, uh, he said, you ignore, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So yes, tithe, yes, tithe. But how can you tithe and fail to demonstrate justice? How can you fail to demonstrate mercy? How can you fail to demonstrate faith, truth, love? Yes, tithe by all means, but don't just tithe. Give God every part of your life. So Jesus, he never said not to tithe. This same logic sequence is taken by pop culture and applied to other matters. For instance, sexuality. Here's one of the things that people like Matthew Vines that are out promoting this woke pop cultural um, leftist uh, gospel that carves out most of the Bible. This is what they say. Well, Jesus never condemns homosexuality as a, uh, as a lifestyle or a, as a, a sexuality. He never mentioned it. Well, actually, what Jesus did do, just like he did with the tithe, he told the Pharisees, he affirmed marriage as created by God. One man and one woman. Okay, so Jesus not only does he affirm the tithe, he also affirms biblical sexuality. Now, I, I have no intention of getting onto that topic. I will say, I am thankful for people all over Mobile to come and hear the gospel. And how many of you know, we all need to receive the gospel. We need to be transformed. And we have a seat in this house for absolutely everybody to hear the truth of Jesus Christ and to be transformed, which is what we did during communion today. Jesus did not undo the tithe. The reason is because Jesus didn't abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. If you're following along in your notes there in the apps, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. Rather, he came to fulfill the law. Hey, does 
anybody have a, a wallet that I can just borrow really quickly? Anybody have a wallet that I can borrow? I just want, I, I see a hand, I see, okay. Thank you very much. That's a pretty decent driver's license photo. Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. Okay, moving along in my message. <laughs> I'm going to keep your wallet, if you don't mind. Um, uh, i got to see if there, you might be able to cancel your credit cards before I'm done. Uh, I don't know if you have cash. We'll find out, but thank you very much. Uh, is that a problem? Why? I thought Jesus, I, I thought we're no longer under the law. Uh, what's the problem with me telling Pastor Kyle that I'm going to borrow his wallet intending to keep it. Um, it's just a little lie. Um, what's wrong with me stealing it? It's just, I mean, big deal. Well, Genesis or Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. But it's not a problem because we're New Testament believers. We don't have to follow the law. Not a problem, right? Miss June, would you like Pastor Kyle's wallet? Who would like Pastor Kyle's wallet? My son wants Pastor Kyle's wallet. <laughs> Happy birthday, son. Happy birthday. Really quick, before he gets in trouble, you guys pass that sucker down there to Pastor Kyle. Hey, would you thank Pastor Kyle? I'll send, next time, next time, next time. The, the Lord has given all of us all of the scriptures. And we're thankful for that. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he fulfilled it. He is the embodiment of the law. And so when we're given this great commandment, we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Listen, if we do that, if we love God and we love people, we will follow the Ten Commandments. If I love my neighbor, I won't. If I love Jaleel, I won't steal from Jaleel. If I love Pastor Chad, I won't lie to Pastor Chad. This is what Jesus did when he came for us. This is why he affirmed the tithe. So with that being said, let me just touch on a few different kinds of giving, four different kinds of, of giving in the scriptures. Number one, tithing. Everybody say that with me, tithing. One more time, tithing. Tithing is a demonstration that God is my source. Say that with me, God is my source. Go to Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land whether the grain from the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value, which would be 10% of your increase, plus 20%. So if you want to redeem the 10% increase that was grain, then you could instead give the monetary value of that grain to the temple plus 20% and, and bring it back. That was... 
So what basically Moses is saying, one-tenth belongs to the Lord, but then if you need that grain because you want to eat that grain and you'd like to replace it with that money, then this is how you, this is how you do it. So it's like a little asterisk, and he's going down there in the Old Testament sharing. Okay, but bottom line, he says, one-tenth of the produce of the land belong, one-tenth of the produce belongs to the Lord. Now it goes from talking about grain to then talking about animals. He says, count off every 10th animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals and you may not substitute one for another. So there's a couple things. First of all, you have a grain tithe. Now you have an animal tithe. And you know what? I, we had goats. I never tithed the goat. The reason I never tithed the goat was because we paid for the goat with money that we had tithed on. So that was not income. In fact, it was, it was not income, it was outflow. It's like we bought the goat, then we had to feed the goats. Then we had to get the veterinarian. Kelly was a veterinarian, I promise you. My wife took care of the goats and the chickens. And then we have a dog. I've never tithed on a Welsh Terrier. I've never done that before. How do, we do, how do we keep up with all these different tithes, the grain tithe and the animal tithe? Well, we do so by tithing on, on everything. Over in Malachi chapter three, we'll read it in verse 10 a little bit later, but he says, bring all the tithe into the Lord. So we don't have to keep up with a bunch of different tithes, but imagine this, imagine you have 10 apples, 10 oranges, and 10 grapes. Then we want to give the apple tithe, the orange tithe, and the grape tithe, which would be one apple, one orange, and one grape. There's three different tithes, but what is it? It's still just 10%. So it's not three different tithes. It's that we bring a tithe or a 10th on all of our increase. So Malachi just simplified all of that just nice and easy for us. The other thing that you see right there is we're to bring the first and the best. So when I tithe, what I don't want to do is I don't want to pull some, po- some pocket lint and some change out of my pocket. Say, this is, this is what I have left, Lord. This belongs to you. No, what I want to do, Douglas, Phyllis, what I want to do is I want to bring God my very first and my very best. Here's the thing with the first is because the first takes some faith. It's not like, let me get through the month and see if I can make it. It says, no, God is number one. I'm going to take care of him first. And then I'm going to live off of the rest. And I don't want to give him some jacked up little goat or little sheep, you know, hobbling around on three legs, blind in one eye, you know, um, deaf, can't hear. He's been run over by a car twice, still making it. His name is Lucky. That's not the animal that I want to give to the Lord. I want to give, we want to give, God calls us to give the very best that we have. This is the tithe And it's because God, it belongs to the Lord. God blesses the tithe. I'll talk about that in a minute. So next, I want to talk, after talking about the tithe, I want to talk about the offerings. Our offerings are a declaration of our heart towards God. The offerings are a declaration of our heart and love towards God. Exodus chapter 35, verse 29, the Bible says, so the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord had given them through Moses, the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and listen to this, gave them freely 
to the Lord. So this was their choice as far as what the offering was. This is what is being called New Testament giving. You determine in your heart what you want to give. Don't let anyone twist your arm. This is your choice, what you're giving above and beyond your tithes. So if you're not giving tithes, you can't give offerings because your offering would be a part of the first 10% to the Lord. Your offering is a free will gift that you say, well, this has moved my heart. I want to be a part of this. We're building a church. I want to be a part of this. We're renovating the sanctuary. I want to give to this. Hey, we have this opportunity to help start a church. I want to give to this. We have a missionary that we are sending uh, to Greece. We have a missionary we're sending to Israel. We have a missionary we're sending to Cambodia. I want to give to that. The tithe is for the storehouse. The offering is over and above its free will. You determine it, you and the Holy Spirit having a conversation. When I'm giving an offering to the Lord, as I'm giving, sometimes you have an opportunity to give right there in the moment. I'm saying, Lord, you know, I think I'm going to give this. And I may hear the Lord say, well, you could do a little bit better than that there, Pastor Travis. You, you, why don't you get, or sometimes the Lord will say, you know, I don't want you to give to that. It's not bad, but that's not what you're going to give to. So I'm thankful for the appeal. I'm thankful for the opportunity, but that giving is between me and the Lord. What I want to do is I want to be generous to the Lord because the Lord has been generous to me. Has he been generous to you? Amen. Amen. Then we have first fruits. First fruits is a declaration that God is my priority. So a lot of times when we go into a new year, there are some of us that say, God, I'm going to bring my first fruits to you. I want to give you my first paycheck. I want to give you the first thing that, that I have. I got a new field. I want to give God the first from this field. This is kind of that idea. Deuteronomy chapter 26, one through four. You can read that on your own, okay? And then lastly, we have the alms. And alms are a declaration of my heart towards people. My offerings, my heart towards God. The alms are my heart towards people. Is there someone in need? Hey, did you find a need? Hey, pastor, I'm just calling because I found this need. Oh, that's great. But what did you do? My, my, my neighbor is in need. I'm giving to my neighbor. My friend lost a job. I'm giving to my friend. I know a widow that needs help. I'm giving to this widow. These are alms. And this can be found, this declaration of our heart towards others can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. When you are harvesting, let me say this really quickly. Some of you didn't know all of this and some of you have been, already been doing this and now you're just finding it out in the scriptures Oh, that's the alms. I have, given an al I have given alms before. Deuteronomy 24, 19. When you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, 
Don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners. Come on, say it with me. Foreigners, orphans, and widows. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. This is why I'm giving you this command. Now, when we read this about the alms, then maybe we begin, our mind runs to people like Boaz. Remember Boaz? And Boaz had his eye on this young lady. Of course, we know about Ruth and, and that whole wonderful story. And, and, and this young lady that he had his eye on comes into the field and, you know, she's a widow. And, you know, he is, he is interested in her. Something, he's about to ask for those seven digits. He's about, to, he's about to say, baby, you must be tired. You've been running through my mind all day. You know, and he, he's, he's right there in that, he's right there in that spot. And he says, listen, when this young lady comes through the field with all of the other orphans, widows, and foreigners, don't just let her pick up the gleanings that are on the ground so that she can eat, but why don't you walk out ahead of her and every now and then drop a whole bundle off on the ground? And then she'll pick it up, she'll be taken care of. Boaz was giving alms. These are the four kinds of uh, giving that we see in the scriptures. Now, why does the Old Testament, why do we teach the Old Testament tithe rather than the New Testament giving is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 15, or 1 through 15. Really, I'd like to give you that for homework. Read those first 15 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You'll see what's being talked about. But in this passage, Paul tells us to bring free will offerings. It's not an either or. It's a both and. It's, it's both. In fact, in this passage, what you will see, what you will see is uh, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And he's referencing the church at Macedonia. It's very similar to like, hey, we have some friends in Louisiana that have been hit by the hurricane. And we would like to take an offering to help the church in Louisiana get back up off the ground after this hurricane that's come through. So I want you to get ready because an offering is coming. And in these first 15 verses, he says, now I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the church at Macedonia, they are amazing they're amazing. They're the most impoverished church in all the world. They're the poorest church, but would you believe that they excel the most in giving? I get goosebumps just even thinking about it. It's such a powerful lesson. And he's talking to the church at Corinth and they are wealthy. They ha they're so blessed. How many of you know we're so blessed? I mean, we are among the wealthiest churches in the world. Think about it. Look at how blessed we are. We're in America. We are blessed. We're blessed. We are unbelievably blessed all of us, the, the poorest person in our church by global standards is not poor. Do we have challenges in the United States? Of course, relative to the United States, relative to the United States, but the rest of the world, the third world I've been there is very, is very challenging, very difficult. So we're bl so blessed. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing if the church in Cambodia or the church in Uganda or the church in Rwanda or the church in Mexico outgave the church in Mobile? This is what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, now listen, our brothers from Macedonia are going to be coming along with, you know, some of my brothers to collect this offering about a year from now for the church in Jerusalem. It would be a terrible thing if when they showed up, you weren't ready to give. 
We should give like that. We should give to heart for the kingdom. We should give to for God in our city. We should give to, well, I'm just going to tell you, we got something coming up, legacy people. We, we got some things that are just around the corner. We should give to Louisiana. We should give to the Bahamas, right? We should meet needs. We should help the widow and the orphan in need and keep ourselves unstained from the cares of this world. This is, James says, is pure and undefiled religion. We should do these things. But this is not the only kind of giving that the New Testament church engages in. If it was, there would be no lights. There would be no building. There would, there would be no disaster relief here. There would, there would be no uh, truck to trunk. All of the things, small groups, all of the things that we do. Because you, we wouldn't be able to fund that. It, the, the temple, the church functions, all of this in complement with one another. Now... One of the issues raised earlier in this question is regarding the tithe being a part of the law that Jesus came to fulfill and that because we're no, under, no longer under the law, we don't need to observe the tithe, which is why Pastor Kyle was getting nervous about my wallet, except he wasn't because he was in the first service and he saw John Holyfield get nervous about his wallet because in the first service, I took a stack of Benjamin, some hundos out. I put them into my, I put them into my jacket pocket and you know, he got nervous about that when we were talking about the law because if we're no longer under the law, I just got a raise today. Well, let me say, this is not even actually the full discussion because the tithe was not established in the law. The tithe was actually established over 500 years prior to the law. We see it in Genesis chapter 14 and we'll see Abram and the king Melchizedek. We will see Abram tithing to Melchizedek. So Abram or Abraham brought the tithe to Melchizedek who is called the king of peace. Genesis chapter 14 verse 17. The Bible says after Abram returned from defeating Kedorlamor and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram in the valley of Sheva, known as the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest, Melchizedek. Listen to this, this is incredible. He was the priest, the king Melchizedek was the priest, the king of Salem was the priest of the most high God. I just want you to start thinking about what I'm saying, okay? He blessed Abram, the king of the, or the, the priest of the most high God, blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by the most high God, creator of heaven and earth, worthy of praise is the most high God who delivered your enemies into your hand. This verse closes by saying, Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. Jump over to Hebrews chapter seven. The writer of Hebrews is going to explain this a little more. This, and by the way, let me point out that this too is in the New Testament. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abram returning from the defeat of kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, Listen to this. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Who is the king of glory? 
Who is the king of righteousness? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus popping his head up in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 14, just like he popped his head up in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image. It just, he wasn't called Jesus. He was the word. We know this from Genesis chapter, from John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was present at creation. He created all things and here he is right here in Genesis chapter 14, the king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Aren't you thankful for the prince of peace today? Is, is that not just an awesome find right there in the, in the scriptures? Says that he was without father or mother, without genealogy from the beginning of days or end of life. Boy, that sure sounds like the book of Revelation. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the soon coming king. Aren't you thankful for Jesus in the house today? Come on, aren't you thankful for Jesus, the Prince of Peace? Talking about Melchizedek, without father or mother, without uh, genealogy, without beginning of days or ending of end of life, listen to this, resembling the son of God. He's saying, boy, that sure does look like Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews concludes, he remains a priest forever. Let me tell you, this thing isn't just a little cobbled together thing where God had a good idea in the Old Testament and then he changed his mind and went into the New Testament, but God had a plan from the very beginning. The Bible says that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He said, when Jesus showed up on the cross, don't worry, you were dead in your sins, but before you were dead in your sins, I had already prepared Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth that would atone for your sin and make you right with Jesus. Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's just go ahead one more time and bless the Lord really good. Go back to Genesis chapter 14 because this is when it gets really good right here. Verse 21, the original conversation with Melchizedek. Then the king of Sodom, Sodom, not Salem, but of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and take the possessions for yourself. He's saying, I'll give you, let's, let's make a deal. But Abram replied to the king of Sodom, no, I raise my hand to the Lord with my tithe that I've given. I raise my hand to the Lord, to Melchizedek, to the king of Salem, to the king of peace, to the king of righteousness and vow that I will take nothing belonging to the Lord, not even a thread or strap of a sandal. Here's what I want you to understand today is when we raise our hand to honor God with the tithe, tithe, God will outstretch his hand to bless and honor us. And I want to speak to those of you that have not tithe. Now listen, I'm telling you people, pastor, aren't you nervous? When you talk about tithe, people won't like it and leave. I just have learned this. is when I talk about tithing and giving, it invigorates my tithers and my givers. They get more excited because they feel like people are going to join themselves to this mission to transform Mobile for the, mission, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for people that are not tithers and givers, listen, I'm excited for you because you're about to outstretch your hand to God and God is going to outstretch his hand to you and he's going to bless you. 
Now, Malachi chapter three, there's a verse there that says, where God says, you have robbed me. How have we robbed you? The people say, you have robbed me by cheating me of the tithes. You've not brought them in. Now you can hear that and say, well, we've robbed God. God now has less money. Let me tell you, God doesn't have less money because of you. God owns everything. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns a chair you're sitting on. You think that's a nice car that you drove in? That belongs to the Lord. The hoopty and the bins. You know what I'm saying? All of it, we don't have a whole lot of Mercedes. It's like the, 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 the uh, King Ranch Dooley. That, that's the BMW of the South right there. You know what I'm saying? Like It doesn't matter what vehicle you're driving. You drove it here, but it belongs to the Lord. This building belongs to the Lord. The breath in our lungs belong to the Lord. So we have not depleted God of anything because we don't complete God. We can't add anything to him. He is almighty. How can you make the almighty mightier? He's got everything that he needs. Here's what I think our heavenly father says. Our good father, you know, we have a good father. You know that? Here's what I think our good father says. He said, you have robbed me of the opportunity to bless you. And this is how it works with our kids, with our family, with our employees, with our friends, with our neighbors, people hanging out. We'll get in our mind. We want to do something for them. And, and there's something that they're, they're supposed to do or they need to do, some kind of growth they're supposed to have. And when they do it, you say, well, I just can't quite trust them with this thing. And the Lord's saying, you know what? I want you to mature. I want you to grow. But because you don't engage me like this, I can't engage you like this. Malachi 3, 8 through 10, you'll hear it here. I just want to describe it before you read it. And when we read it, I want you to think not of robbing God, but think of it as being robbed by yourself that us robbing God of the opportunity to bless us. Verse eight, should people cheat or rob God? This is with the King James Version, New King James, rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? When did we ever rob you? You have robbed me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Because of that, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been robbing me. There's a few reasons why the church is emaciated and scrawny. And, and now let me tell you, Pathway Church, we're strong. We're str- Pathway Church, you are strong. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we're still moving forward. We're not where we need to be. You know what I'm saying? We can do better, but it's not just about us doing better, it's we're growing. Remember I said, I'm not who I used to be, but I'm also not who I'm gonna be. This thing is a journey. Don't be too down on yourself for where you are, that you're not mature enough. You don't know the word of God enough. Just hang in there, just keep growing. What is right relationship with the Lord? It's getting one step closer to Jesus every single day. That's why the Lord tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Just keep drawing closer to him. The Bible says if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. So wherever you are, start where you are and move forward from there. So Pathway is a strong church, but there are a lot of churches that are not strong because we're not walking in the truth of God's word. Shows up in our marriages, shows up in our relationships. It shows up, shows up in, in, in our work, in our life, our finances, in all kinds of things, in, in, in our peace. This is a good book. This is good instruction. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, 
basic instruction before leaving earth right there. This is God's word for us. It's his roadmap for us. We're saved because we're in relationship with Jesus, but God wants to do more in our lives. I want us to walk in revelation. So he, he's saying, listen, you're suffering because you have robbed me of your worship. You've not brought your worship to me. So he says, here's the antidote for this part of how we steward our money. Why is our money important? Well, because Jesus says where your heart is, is where your money is. How do I get my heart into the hands of God? Well, give God your money. How do I give my money into the hands of God? Give God your heart, whatever. Some people give money all day long. Their heart is an issue. Some people give their heart, but they're tight. All clenched up, tight, no freedom, no no ability to breathe and be generous. What God is saying, look, he says this. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Listen to this. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Try it. Who did that? Whoever did it, do it again. Do it again. Come on. How many of you want to walk under God's blessing? Somebody needs to join Sonia in this. Did you hear the word Pastor Tony gave last week in the 1030 service? Put him to the test. This is the only time in scripture that God says, test me. He says, if you do this, I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. So you're gonna have to big, big, build bigger houses, build bigger barns for what God wants to do. I receive that from my family. I received that from my church. I received that for this city. Mobile, Alabama is blessed because of Pathway Church. Pathway Church is blessed because of your obedience. Let's put God to the test. And I like this next part in 2020 and 2021. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.